thank you, Pastor Angel. Appreciate that. Um, if you have any questions about youth ministry or um, community outreach, please talk to Pastor Angel or Elder Tia as well. I um, also want to give it up for the worship team. I want to thank uh, Caitlin and her students for blessing us. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to them. It's just it's beautiful to have them here and everyone who uh, helps lead us in worship. That's such a beautiful experience this morning. Um, if you would, we're going to read scripture together this morning. Some selections from Ezekiel chapter 34. So they'll just come up on the screen there as I read them. But let's hear the word of the Lord as we prepare to receive this message this morning. This is from the prophet Ezekiel and a prophecy that the Lord gave him. It says in Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curd, you clothe yourself with wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Oh, Lord God, we pray that as we look to you today as our shepherd, God, that you would guide us, you would lead us, and you would speak to us words that would bring us life. Lord, we know that there is a lot of suffering and heartache in the world today. And I just want us to take a moment and acknowledge that there are some difficult things in each one of our lives right now. So, Lord, we just humbly, quietly lift them up to you, saying, God, would you hold those things that are weighing us down? For we are unable to bear the weight on our own. We thank you for your strength and for your goodness today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been talking about hope. That's the theme for this month. And hope, of course, is something that we don't yet have. Otherwise, it's not hope. It's the same thing with faith. Faith is not something that we can see. For if we could see it, it would require no great amount of faith. If we already have it, then it would not be something that we hope for. But rather, we hope in assurance by faith for what we do not yet have, what we do not yet see. And hope is the thing that really keeps humanity going. It, it's, it's a hope that there is, there is something better that is ahead for us. And last week we talked about how hope has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the true, the one and only hope of the world. And today we're going to focus on this image of him as our hope, this image of Jesus as the good shepherd. A very familiar image to many people. In fact, it might even conjure up ideas of what that looks like from a picture you saw at one time. But today I want to take a little deeper dive into what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd, that he is really our hope. 
Now last week we talked from John chapter 10, where Jesus was speaking on the occasion of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And during that occasion, it was a time when the Jewish people were exercising their hope. Their hope for a Messiah, their hope for one who would come, the anointed one, the chosen one, and deliver them and rescue them to be the kind of leader that they really needed. So it became a time, again, based on the history of Hanukkah, and I encourage you to look that up if you don't know about it, or listen to last week's sermon as well to give you a little primer on what Hanukkah was about. But one of the things it was about was a time to reflect on failed leadership. Oh my gosh, I don't know if you're like me, but just listening to some of the words from Ezekiel, does that not describe some of the leaders that we have or that we have had, right? They take care of themselves, but they don't really take care of the people that they're supposed to take care of. You see, failed leadership is one of the things that causes us to lose hope, does it not? Every time our leaders fail us, and the more that they fail us, and friends, we only speak the truth, our leaders are failing us every day. It causes our hope to diminish. But our hope, like the Jews, is in someone who would come and who would be the true leader, the one to guide us, to lead us. So during Hanukkah, they would read that passage from Ezekiel that we just read together. And they would reflect upon their need for a true leader, one that was to come and lead them in the way that they were supposed to be led. Now in that passage, you'll, I want you to notice two things. One, God says, I myself will come and be their shepherd, right? I myself will come and be their shepherd, meaning that God himself would come and be with us. And then a little later on, he says, I will send my servant David to lead them. Okay, so God says, I will do it myself. I will send my servant David, right? Now, some people believe that that meant David was actually going to rise from the dead. So some people, you know, are thinking that maybe David, at some point, his bones will be resurrected and he'll come. But if you study all of the passages that talk about the Messiah, the anointed one, uh, that it, it indicates rather not David himself, but someone that's in the line of King David. So in other words, someone who is descended from King David would come and finally be the one true leader, the one true ruler for the people of God, for the people of Israel. But also, in some way, that person would also be God himself. And what we believe as Christians is that Jesus brings those two things together, that he is the Son of Man and the Son of God, that he is fully human, that he is descended from David. The gospel writers want us to be sure that he is descended from David. And his genealogies indicate that he is descended through Mary, his mother by birth, but he's also descended through Joseph, his adopted father. So isn't that beautiful that Jesus is descended from David both by blood and by adoption? Amen. I know somebody got excited about that just hearing that this morning. We can see the, the hints, the signs, right, that are pointing us to the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And when Jesus was speaking on that occasion of Hanukkah in John chapter 10, he actually said, as they were reading from Ezekiel 34 about really bad shepherds, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who comes and gives life to the sheep. All the others were thieves. That's a bold statement, isn't it? And the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come as the good shepherd that my people might have life and have life more abundantly. And so today we're going to talk about what it means that Jesus is our shepherd. That Jesus is the one and only true good shepherd. Now again, when we think of a shepherd, many images come to our mind, right? But shepherds come in all shapes and sizes. This is a picture of some shepherds in India that are guiding their sheep down the path, right? Um, shepherds is one of the oldest professions in the world, if you think about it. Shepherds have been around since the beginning of time. In a way, Adam was both a farmer and a shepherd because he was called to take care of the earth, to take care of the things that God had created. And you find shepherds being mentioned all throughout the Bible, but also all throughout the Bible 
Bible in the context of comparing good leaders to a good shepherd. Many of Israel's leaders were shepherds themselves. Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation, was a shepherd. Moses, the great deliverer of God's people, was a shepherd. And even King David, the greatest king they ever had, was a shepherd when he was a young boy. You see how this image is powerful all throughout the Bible, even to the very end in the book of Revelation, where it says the lamb representing Christ that is sitting on the throne will become the shepherd. How do you like that? The lamb will actually become the shepherd and will guide his people to streams of living water. From the beginning to the end, the image of a shepherd is a robust and powerful image of someone who is leading. And, of course, our greatest examples come from Psalm 23, that psalm that's so familiar to many people, where David, who was a shepherd boy who became a king, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though... Those paths may lead to the valley of the shadow of death or deepest darkness. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. For surely, certainly, goodness and mercy, love, will follow me, will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to use that as our basis for looking at the qualities of a good shepherd, the qualities of a leader, and apply them to Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. So if you have a Bible or you have one on your phone, you could open up to Psalm 23. If you'd like, that might help you to follow along as I begin talking about the qualities of what makes a good shepherd. So we see from Psalm 23 three things I'd like to highlight today. That a good shepherd is one who provides, who guides, and who protects. A good shepherd is one who guides, who provides, and who protects. First of all, provide. We see that in the psalm it says that when the Lord is our shepherd, we lack nothing. We lack nothing. That means there's nothing that we don't have. And you know what that word nothing means? Nothing. <laughs> Imagine that. In the original languages, the word nothing means nothing. That means it's like I have most of everything I need or I have 90% of what I need. No, it says when the Lord is our shepherd, we have all that we need. We lack for nothing. And the images are so powerful. Green pastures, you know, still water. You know, it's talking about having food. It's talking about having water to drink. It's talking about having rest for our souls. And that promise of God's provision is a powerful thing in our lives when we learn to believe it, when we learn to access it, that no matter what our current situation is, there is a promise that the Lord will provide. Like Pastor Rosalie said when she started this whole series, she said that we can hope we can, in an expected promise, in something that's promised to us, we can expect that God will do it because it's a promise. And that is what our hope is in. It reminds me of the passage in Matthew, and I wrote a couple verses down here for you as well. Um, if you're taking notes this morning, Matthew chapter 6, listen to the words of verses 25 to 27. Jesus himself says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? The Lord has promised, think about it. He says, just look at the world. Every little bird is cared for. They have food to eat. 
They have, they have feathers, you know, I mean, very pretty feathers sometimes. I mean, they're clothed in beauty. God takes care of them. He watches over them. He knows every single one of them. Are you not more valuable? Are the children that God created to be his children not more valuable than that? Would you not, if you are a parent, do anything in your power and beyond to provide for your children? It is the promise that God has given to us that he will provide for each and every need. And sometimes we're in a moment, right, where we don't have it. But that doesn't mean that God isn't true. It simply means that God is saying trust and believe. Wait upon it because it will come through. You see, I believe that learning to trust God can help us even with our anxiety. And we have a lot of anxiety and worry in this world today. The second verse I put up there is from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. What does every situation mean? Every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I can't explain it. I don't even know how it comes sometimes, except that it passes all understanding. Will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. My heart, my emotions keeping me from those crippling fears and doubts. And my mind realizing that, yes, there are some things that need to be put into place. But I can trust God. Now, when I say that believing God's provision, one of the benefits is it helps to reduce anxiety and worry and stress. Let me be very, very clear this morning. And I want you to hear me. I don't want anyone to mistake this. When people are suffering with severe anxiety, and there are many people that are, it's okay to get help. And you need to get help. Let no one ever tell you to use the, the word of God to say, well, you don't need help. Just trust God and pray. No, no, no. You need help. God has provided that help. You need therapy. You need help. You need to get help. Can I say this and say it clearly this morning? It's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too, all right? All right? And, and in fact, we're healthier when we have both. Let me put it that way, right? Because sometimes when I've been dealing with people in my 25, 30 years of ministry, you know, people's problems have different aspects to them. Sometimes it's emotional, and they need to get therapy and counseling and help with that. Sometimes it's physical, and they might need medication or nutrition or rest. You need to talk to your doctor about it. But there's also a spiritual component. And so I think it's both and. It's never one or the other. It's that we need to bring all things together. That's what God is doing. And do not neglect your faith. While you are getting the help that you need, and please hear me clearly, always seek out the help that you need because God has provided it in that way. Right? But don't neglect that prayer and trust in God because Jesus says, if you do this, I've promised, that will help you not to worry, not to stress. To put your trust in God. And I can tell you in my own life that it has helped me. It has helped me to put my trust in God. One of the things that stresses me out more than anything else is when my car breaks down. Amen, Xavier, right? When my car, because let me tell you a couple things about when this happens in my family. First of all, it always happens at the absolute worst time. I'm not even kidding. Often when I'm out of the country on a trip, pray for my family when I go to Honduras because that's usually when the car breaks down, all right? And second, second it, it always comes at a time when I have absolutely no money, you know, to take care of it, no extra money. You got, you're shaking your head. You guys know what I, it's not just me, right? Hey, amen, that's good. And so cars stress me out. They always stress me out. I know about that. Yes, amen to that, right? So, but God has said I will provide. So God wants me to trust in him in this process. And he's always proved it to me. In fact, going back many, many, many years ago to when I was in college, my last year of college was Jenny and mine's first year of marriage. And one day I went to the mailbox at my college and there was an envelope with my name on it. And inside was $500 in cash. 
And I was like, what? And I'm looking around. There's no note, no name on it. Couldn't, I asked a couple people. No one knew where it came from. And I'm like, the Lord has provided. This is amazing, right? Just a couple days later, Jenny's car broke down. And the bill was $498. <laughs> and so let me be honest as your pastor, right? I did feel some kind of way about that, all right? Because I'd already spent that money in 500 ways before the car broke down, let me tell you. But God had provided just enough for what we needed, right? And he gave me $2 to spare, I guess. You know, that's how, sometimes that's how God works. He gives you just what you need, right? But God hasn't always done it in that way. God doesn't always do it in that way. Other times, there was a time when someone had an old car they gave to us, and it was only supposed to last for six months, and we got like three years out of that thing. Sometimes people have said, hey, you can just borrow my car. Sometimes people have given me rides when I needed rides. You see, it's not in the same way all the time, but God has always provided. God has always said, I got you if you just trust in me. It doesn't mean I get it the way I want it, when I want it, no. Trust is about just taking a deep breath, letting God speak to your soul, I got this, I got you. Man, that's my prayer that all of you would hear that. You would hear that especially when you need it, just the voice of the Spirit saying, I got this and I got you. Because God will always provide. He is a good shepherd. A good shepherd provides for his sheep. Second thing is that God will guide us. Not only will he provide, but God will guide. Psalm 23 says that the good shepherd, the Lord, leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now when I talk about God guiding us, what sticks out to me in that phrase is for his name's sake, right? I mean, it's kind of one of those phrases that I would just roll around and not really listen to. But, but, but think about that. What does it mean for his name's sake? It means it's for the reputation of God, not our reputation. You see, the shepherd was going to be held accountable, right, for the way he cared for the sheep. He was going to be accountable for how he guided them. And the Lord says, I will guide you in paths of righteousness, not for your reputation, not so that your name is great, but that so my name is great. So you've got to realize that when we carry the name of Jesus Christ, we represent him. Do you know what I'm saying? When you work for a company, when you're on the clock for that company, don't you represent them? Maybe you wear a shirt that says the name of your company. Maybe you have a uniform that you have to wear or a badge or something or a name tag, right? You're not just representing yourself. You're representing the company or the organization that you work for. So therefore, what you say and what you do has ramifications beyond that, right? And if a good company cares about that, they're going to enable you and equip you so that you can best represent them. And that is exactly what God does for us, my friends, that we carry the name of Jesus Christ. So God says, because you are carrying such a powerful and great name, I myself am going to help you. For my name's sake, I will guide you in the paths of righteousness if you will only be led by me. God brought this to me right smack in my face one day. I was at the gas station at Stop and Shop pumping gas, right? And you know Stop and Shop has the, the discount card with the points, right? And I did the card and it wouldn't give me my points. I'm like, oh, man, this is messed up. I'm trying to cancel. I tried to do it again. It's like error. See the cashier. I'm like, oh, man. So I walked up to the cashier. And, of course, you know how the story goes, right? The lady is just trying to do her job in the booth. But she's got the stop and shop name tag on. So I'm getting frustrated. And I, she, it's not her fault, but it's the computer's fault, the system's fault. And I just start getting upset. I just start yelling at this lady in the gas station booth. My children call it customer service rage. Thank you, Lord, for revealing truth through my children. So I'm just, I'm just letting it all out. All my frustrations with stop and shop, right? And she's like, I can't do anything. I'm like, fine. And I go, I stomp back to the car. I put in the gas without my discount, just getting mad every time it's going. And then I look in the reflection of my car, 
and I see I'm wearing this shirt from the Hartford Project mission trip, and it says love wins on it. And I was like, Lord, whose name am I carrying? <laughs> what message was I carrying? And the Lord convicted me, and I, and I finished the gas, and I went back, and I apologized to that young lady. I humbled myself. I apologized. I said, I did not treat you fairly. You did not deserve this. I'm sorry I was wrong for doing that. Friends, maybe, we, maybe our lives would change if the name of Jesus Christ was literally on us every day of our lives. Because we bear the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you've ever wanted to know what it really means not to take the Lord's name in vain or emptiness, that's what it means. Carry the name of Jesus Christ well. Don't take it in vain and bring it no shame. Don't take it in vain and bring it no shame. But carry the name of Jesus Christ well. The Christian author Brennan Manning has said this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus Christ with their lips but walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. But how are we going to walk in the ways of Jesus? Well, again, he's going to guide us. He knows that we can't do it. We don't have the strength to do it. We don't have the goodness to do it. That's why we need a shepherd. You see, the sheep on their own would wander off the path. You see this path here on the picture. It's like sometimes the grass would be out, right? And they'd have to take the sheep across the open country to find the food, to find the grass. And the shepherd needed to guide them on the path because sheep would just wander off. They just wander from clump of grass to clump of grass. They'd fall off the edge of a cliff. They'd get into trouble. They have to be guided by the shepherd because they're unable to guide themselves. So a shepherd is given to them to care for them, to provide for them, but also to guide them. Friends, how do we follow Jesus as our good shepherd? How do we follow in the paths of Christ? Well, Jesus himself, again, back in John chapter 10, when he said, I am the good shepherd, he said, my sheep know my voice and they listen to me. So you got to know the voice of Jesus. You got to know, the, how do you get to know the voice of Jesus? Well, you spend time with him. You read his word. That's why it's called the word of God. Because the voice of God is given to us. In fact, the words of Jesus are often in red letters. It's even easier to find what Jesus is saying. We need to listen. And the Spirit helps us to understand it, right? The Spirit helps us to understand the voice of God. We need to spend time in His Word. That's why I love the challenge that Pastor Angel gave to the youth group that I've given to all of us. Read the book of Luke this Christmas season. There's 24 days in December up until Christmas. There's 24 chapters of Luke. So by the time you get to Christmas Eve, you'll have read an entire story of the one whose birth we celebrate on Christmas morning. Read the Bible. Listen to his words. Because the more time you spend with them, the more you'll get to know what they sound like. How do I know my wife's voice? Because we spend so much time together. I know the sound of her voice. I can hear it in an instant. I can hear it across the room. She tries to call from a fake number, which she doesn't do. She would talk on the phone and I would hear, I would understand her voice. And if you came up to me and you told me something my wife said, because I know her voice, I would know if that sounded like her or not. And my kids try to do that. They come to me and say, Mom said this. And I know, but see, sometimes they bamboozle me because they make it sound like her just enough. And I've been tricked a few times, but praise the Lord, you know, I can go to the source, right? I can go to the source. I can call up Jenny and say, did you say this? Friends, the same is true of God. If you're struggling, if you're not sure if God is speaking to you or not, if you're not sure that what you're hearing is from God, then go to the source. Go to the word of God. Go to the Holy Spirit inside of you and get to know the voice of God. Because when you know his voice, then you can follow his voice. Who will guide you? Who will lead you? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
and lean not into your own understanding. Just let that sink in. Trust in God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, no matter how good or how smart you think you are. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will guide you. That's the promise of God. So how do we acknowledge God? Do we, Friends, do we acknowledge God in everything, everything we say, everything we do? Let me put it this way, because you know I like to mess with things a little bit. How can God, Jesus, be the Lord of your life when he's not the Lord of your Instagram? How can Jesus be the Lord of your life when he's not the Lord of your Facebook? Who are you representing? Is it for your glory or God's glory? Is it about yourself or is it about God? You see, we'll give God part of our life. We'll give Jesus our heart so we can go to heaven when we die. And Jesus says, nah, that's not good enough. I'll take it all, thank you, because I'll give you all of me. It's quite an exchange. It's really dizzying when you think about it. That God says, give me your all and I'll give you my all. You have to make Jesus Lord of every single area of your life. Who is guiding you? Who is guiding you? Just think about this. Do the things you put out, do they bring glory to yourself or do they bring glory to God? We need to make him the Lord of everything. We need to let him guide us. Do we let him guide us in our work, in our school, in our relationships, in the decisions we make? Is Jesus the Lord? Is he really the Lord? Well, ask yourself a couple questions. Have you given him a say in the matter? Have you asked him what he thinks? Have you obeyed what he's told you to do, trusting that what he tells you to do will guide you in a path that will bring you to life? Because, friends, without that, friends, no matter how good it looks, you're going to wander into danger and into darkness if we do not follow the good shepherd, the only one who is good. Now, in the beginning, when we read from Ezekiel chapter 34, it's clear that there are a lot of bad shepherds in the world, right? And we all need leaders. Jesus works through people. You know, how we wish in our minds that Jesus would actually come and we could just follow Jesus. But to be honest, I don't think many of us could handle <laughs> the real presence of Jesus. He works through people. He works through people in our lives. He gives us leaders. You know, that's what a pastor is, right? That's where the Spanish actually helps us understand, right? Because what is the word for shepherd in Spanish? Pastor, right? That's what a pastor, literally, we took that word in English and said that's a pastor. Because a pastor is a shepherd. But you need to follow your shepherds as they follow Christ. Paul said, follow my example as I follow Christ. You know, we need leaders, we need guides, we need mentors. But we need to be discerning about who we choose that will speak into our life. So whoever you let speak into your life the most, let that be the one who God is speaking into their life the most. And it's trust. No one's perfect. It's trust. There's going to be mistakes, right? We're going to stumble. We're going to fail. We're going to fall. That's why Jesus said, I will always go after you. I will send shepherds to go after you. And if they don't do it, I'll do it myself. But when you wander, when you're lost, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, the Lord will seek you out. He'll seek you out through his people. And if they aren't able to do it, he will seek you out himself. Jesus is the good shepherd who will provide for us and who will guide us. And finally, he will protect us. You know, David told King Saul, when I was a shepherd, I used to fight off the lion and the bears, right? So even though I know that's a picture of a Viking, I think, to me, he's a shepherd. I think that's how King David looked. David was no little shepherd boy with a bath towel around his head. I think he looked more like that when he was fighting the bears. Jesus, the good shepherd will protect. 
David said, when I was a shepherd, I protected my sheep from any and every danger. And you know the context he said that in? Because there was an enemy, the giant Goliath, that was coming against Israel. And, and David, when he fought Goliath, he was acting as the shepherd of Israel. Saying, I will protect you. I will stand between you and the danger. So again, Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because what? You are with me. With me. you got to understand God's protection is not to keep you out of something, but to be with you in it. Oh, let me say that again. God's protection doesn't keep you out of something, but he's with you in it, right? Think about when Daniel went in the lion's den, right? He didn't get rescued from the dead. God came down with him in the den. And when God was there, ain't no lion going to touch him. Even though they were still around. You will still see your difficulties all this life. You will still have enemies around you all of your life, friends. You will. They will never go away. Difficulty, hardship, pain, suffering will never go away. You will never be rescued out of it until God says your time is done. But God says, but I will jump in with you. And I will stay with you. And nothing will harm you when I am with you. Jesus told his followers, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. But be afraid of the only one, God, who can destroy both the body and the soul. You know, God has promised that he will always, always protect us. It says that his rod and staff, they guide me, right? A shepherd's rod was really like a club. <laughs> That's a better word. So he'd carry a club. What was that for? To fight off the bears, the lions, the wolves, whatever. And he had a staff. And the staff had two uses. The staff was used to fight off the scorpions and the snakes. So he had that and he got the club in this hand. But the staff also had a little hook on it, right? So that if the sheep got, you know, in the, when they're crossing a river and one sheep started to go away, he could grab it and pull it back. Or if the sheep got caught up in the bushes, he could help rescue him. So those were the weapons of protection that the shepherd always carried with him. And God will always protect you. It says that he will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In their presence. Again, God's not going to take away all your enemies. But you'll still be surrounded by them. But God's provision is so complete that he can provide for you even in the midst of your trouble. Wow, isn't that amazing? God's provision is so complete that he can take care of you anywhere, anytime, in any place, no matter what is surrounding you. Psalm 23 says, the good shepherd anoints my head with oil. The oil would be placed on the sheep, sheep's head if they had bruises or scratches to bring healing for them. But it also served as a protection against the flies and the bugs that would bother the sheep as well. So it was also a symbol of protection. And friends, isn't that good to know that whether it's a small little gnat or it's a giant bear, God will always protect us. From the small and from the big, God will protect us. That's his promise, that he will get in between us and whatever is coming against us. You know, there actually was a real-life example of this picture a few years ago in Canada a man was fishing with his children on an island. And on that island, they came across a polar bear that was extremely hungry, which makes them extremely dangerous. And the polar bear attacked. And he got in between his children and the bear. And he told his kids to get in the boat, and they did, and to try to get help. But he put himself in between that polar bear and his children. And he saved his children, but he lost his life. That reminds me, friends, that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down for who? His sheep. Jesus loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. Jesus went through everything, friends. If you read it, read the Gospels, read the stories. Jesus went through everything. 
when he was going, when he had to carry his cross up to the hill where he was being crucified, that path is called the Via Dolorosa, the way of pain or the way of suffering. And he went through everything. He was mocked. He was insulted. He was spit on. He was beaten. He was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was nailed to that cross and hung to die. And he did die. And then he was put in a grave and he was buried. And friends, we think that's a dead end, literally, right? A dead end. There's no way out from the grave. But by the power of God, Jesus said, guess what? It's not the end. Even though that stone was rolled to cover me up and lock me in forever, by the power of God, that stone was rolled away. And Jesus came out of the grave and he said, I've even gone through death for you to show you that it's just a path. And so that when you have to go through death, I will be there to walk with you through it and bring you to the other side where you will find life everlasting and life evermore. You see, friends, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the hope that we have in the person of himself because Jesus is the one who will provide for us. Jesus is the one who will guide us. Jesus is the one who will protect us. Jesus is the one who will heal us, who will deliver us, who will go after us, who will rescue us, who will bring us back, who will forgive us. Jesus is the one who will be with us through everything that we have to go through in this life. And he has promised that we will never, he will never ever leave us. And Jesus is the one that even when we come to the end of our life, Jesus will be there at the end. And when we have to die, Jesus will go with us through that death and he will show us that it's not the end, but it's a path to the other side, to eternal life. Friends, Psalm 23 ends with, surely I am certain that God's goodness and love will pursue me all the days of my life on this earth. And at the end, when I pass through that valley of death one last time, Jesus Christ will walk with me through it to the other side. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody praise God for that this morning. Somebody praise God that this morning. Amen. If the worship team would come at this time. Today I want to conclude by giving us an opportunity to listen to the Spirit's guiding and leading in our life. I want you to listen carefully to this quote. This is from a pastor in California, Benjamin Israel Robinson. And it, it, it touched me in a powerful way. And I want you to listen to it to prepare our hearts for the prayer. He said, most Christians try to lead the spirit by telling what the spirit to do and when to do it. <laughs> Amen. But I've learned to stop trying to lead the spirit and let the spirit lead me. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 and 14, those who are led by the spirit, these are the children of God. And my prayer life is not about learning how to get God to do the things I want him to do. But Philippians 2 and 13 says, God is working in me to will and to do according to his good pleasure, not the other way around. And it's not my responsibility to keep myself on the path. I simply cannot do it. I just need to follow the one who keeps me. I can't even keep myself from falling. But Jude 1 and 24 says, God is able to keep me from falling and to present me blameless before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So today as you meditate, relinquish your need to lead the Spirit and surrender your desire to get God to do something for you and seek simply to be sensitive and submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Would you join me in prayer? Would you just relinquish your desire to be in control this morning? Would you just let go of your desire to get God to do something for you? And would you just open yourself up to the Spirit in this moment? Just ask God, God, what are you saying to me today?
How is the Spirit leading you? You may get a picture or an image. You may get a verse that comes to your mind. You may get an impression in your mind that feels like the voice of God. In this moment, you may even hear the voice of God. Just open yourself up to God right now. God is speaking. His Spirit is leading you. His Spirit is guiding. Holy Spirit, lead us, we pray. Forgive us for trying to take the lead in this relationship with you. Lord, show us the paths of righteousness. Show us the way to walk. Spirit, come. Come into us, Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, come. Come, Emmanuel, God with us. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would sense his presence very close to you. Some of you are even picturing the presence of Jesus right now, sitting or standing next to you. That's his revelation to you right now. He is with you. He is with you. 